With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. I'm Robin Colbert, and this is Madison Forum. My guest this morning is Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, as has been the case uh, for the past couple of months now, uh, generally for our Madison Forum program, the topic has been something we we can't avoid if we try, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, We're in the reopening phase now here in Wisconsin. In fact, in this past week, um, pretty much all of Wisconsin reopened in some form as uh, those that kept the stay-at-home rule in effect until the 26th let it expire this uh, last tuesday uh mandela what what are you seeing as far as um uh, the whole uh reopening of wisconsin how's the process going is it a little confusing well it's absolutely confusing and the confusion started in the very beginning as i've always stated that we should have had a streamlined uh, set of standards from the federal government so that states wouldn't have had to take their own individual approaches and with that having been the case, uh, we found ourselves uh, caught in a mess. And the Supreme Court uh, struck down our state for a home emergency order, which was unfortunate. So I do feel that we are in a premature reopening of the state. I feel that across the country there's a premature reopening. Uh, however, we are where we are. And the latest data shows that we are uh, just over uh, 16,000 confirmed cases, and over 500 total deaths. There were 599 new cases yesterday, which is a record. But we also tested the most people uh, yesterday with just under 10,000 at 9,700 tests. And prior to the Supreme Court's decision, we were well on our way to uh, approaching uh, phase one of the Badger bounce back plan. We were meeting five of the six metrics. And now, unfortunately, we're down to three of six metrics. So we still have a long way to go because we're not meeting the downward trend of flu-like symptoms or the rate of new positive cases or downward trend of healthcare workers with positive cases as well. Yeah, and according to the the latest figures, we've seen that hospitalizations have uh, gone up uh, from a week prior, um, not drastically but still the the other way but as we increase testing this this was expected but are we also going to be seeing uh common sense will tell you you'll be seeing uh, more numbers as restrictions have been eased yeah we will see more numbers unfortunately and and a lot of it is uh, due to the fact that you know what you saw in over memorial day weekend uh, people who just had cabin fever. I get it. You know, I'm not going to pretend that I don't understand people who want or desire to get back and socialize and go back to life uh, as they knew it prior to the pandemic. Uh, however, as I've always stressed, this is about people who are not ourselves. They are about the people who are. It's about the people who are around us, and it can be so easy for this virus to spread, as we've seen. Uh, you know, as it has ravaged the country like a wildfire. And we don't want to be in a place where we end up seeing uh, another uh, another spike. And like I said, yesterday was the highest we set a record for confirmed cases. It was, there were more tests, but still, it's not a number 
uh, that people should sit comfortably with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're encouraged, in fact, uh, strongly encouraged to um, wear masks out in public. What, what's been your uh, reaction, Mandela, if we, as we've seen a kind of a um, mask fury <laughs> just erupt across the nation or just this, this big mask debate? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre that it kind of devolved into a political debate cause, because it's not political at all. And I understand, too, like wearing a mask isn't always comfortable, uh, and it's not something that people here in the United States of America is, is, used, to, is used to doing. But we're not used to being in the middle of a pandemic either, and we are all uh, being asked to make adjustments to the way that we live. We are all uh, giving up something. We are all sacrificing one thing or another to help us weather this storm so that we can come out on the other side stronger so that we can prevent the loss of life and so that we can slow the tide of infections uh, in, in, in this country and, and globally, too, because if anything, the pandemic has showed us that how global we are and how mm-hmm. interconnected we are. We can't just think about stopping the spread in Wisconsin or stopping the spread across the country because it's everywhere. And it doesn't take much time at all for it to spread the way that it has. It's about how you respond to it. And it's about what you do on the front end to prevent the spread. Yeah, as we watched it, you know, play uh, play out uh, initially when uh, we heard about it in Wuhan. And, boy, it, it wasn't long, and it, it crossed the ocean, and it was here. It, yeah, I, I, it feels like it took 24 hours. If you, <laughs> like, just looking back at the timeline, because we're, we're dealing in, we're working in COVID, we're in a COVID time zone now, where things just happen so quickly and, you know, and spontaneously. Now, um, uh, as far as uh, going forward and helping out business, because the other, uh, you know, the, the two sides uh, to this issue, one is uh, obviously the the impact on our Wisconsinites' lives, their health. Um, we've seen, yeah, uh, the number is um, the last number available as we sit down and talk, Mandela, 540 deaths. The, the opposite side of the coin is um, with the shutdowns and the impact and the deaths of, of jobs and the impact on our uh, economy here in Wisconsin, uh, unlike we're not unlike every other state. It's been devastating. Right, and that's where I get uh, the most frustrated uh, because the, the people who have been most opposed to our safer home order or these restrictions in general uh, dismiss the fact that Wisconsin is not an island. We're not the only people who are, uh, who are suffering from the economic downturn as a result of COVID-19. This is happening everywhere. And it's unfortunate. Uh, we need to do everything that we can do as government, but that takes a coordinated response. And just like I said, we can't look at things uh, just in terms of Wisconsin and the United States. As far as the economy, we can we can uh, be insular that way, but it has to be a coordinated response from the federal government where we need to be partners in this work. And that means acknowledging that, one, there's actually a crisis taking place because with the White House refusing to acknowledge that something was actually going on, to put us 10 steps behind in our response. And so now we're in this place uh, where there's economic devastation, there's the devastation on our health care system, and over 100,000 lives lost. And we have to think forward. We have to think into the future and plan to not go back to normal because normal is what got us into this mess in the first place. We can't go back to the same old, uh, way that the economy functioned, leaving people, leaving so many people behind in the same uh, exact case with the healthcare system. 
And we have to acknowledge the fact that our small businesses are struggling. And the last thing we will want to do is to see this country uh, being taken over by an Amazon uh, or the likes of Amazon that have all the capital right now and are able to weather the storm and will likely be there. Uh, I'm 100% sure Amazon is going to be there regardless of how devastating COVID-19 is. But we can't say the same for our small family-run businesses. And we have to we have to work and support them to get them through this. We have to get back to, to buying locally or else, uh, or else things are going to get much worse than they are right now. Yeah, I, I've been hearing a lot more about, and, and, and as is the case, and of course we've never had something like this in our lifetimes, <laughs> you know, for the most of us, unless uh, um, uh, listeners have been around since uh, the Spanish flu, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was over 100 years ago, but in our lifetime we haven't gone through a pandemic like this, uh, but when we go through crisis, we tend to, you know, pay attention, we're focusing more on, you know what, I'm going to start looking at labels, I'm going to start making sure I'm buying more local products. But, you know, as uh, past history has shown, we, we quickly move on and we just go for the cheapest price. Yeah, and it's hard to, you know, discourage somebody uh, from going for the cheapest price, especially now when there is very little economic security for so many, uh, for so many Americans. When people are struggling, people are dealing with uh, losing their jobs and you got to put food on the table, not just for yourself, but for an entire family, that makes that uh, question or makes that choice uh, increasingly difficult. Now, the government has, uh, the federal government has um, uh, released money to all the states in, uh, how much did Wisconsin get through all all of the CARES Act money? Do you know offhand? Yeah, so, right, so through CARES Act, Wisconsin got, uh, we got over a billion dollars, and we are spending that money, um, well, there's a billion dollars for contact tracing, but there's also, there's $50 million for Wisconsin Farmers Support, mm-hmm. $15 million for food uh, food insecurity initiatives, uh, $25 million for the rental assistance program, $75 million for the We're All In initiative, and now just announced we have a $200 million in CARES Act funding for local government, which is going to go a long way because local governments are struggling. And the Routes to Recovery that was just announced uh, is an aid program. Uh, like I said, the $200 million effort to help local leaders address their most urgent needs. Uh, they can use those funds to cover unbudgeted expenditures that were incurred uh, due to uh, the pandemic. Uh, any expenses from March 1st through October 31st of this year. Uh, and the Department of Administration is going to administer those grants. And, you know, I... It's still not enough, because, and that's the, that's the biggest criticism, is that will this be enough? And the answer is no, no, it's not going to be enough. We need more. I think the federal government has to step in and support states and municipalities the same way that large companies, that the largest companies uh, were supported, that the airline industry was supported. We need support at that level uh, to make sure that you know we don't have states filing for bankruptcy as Mitch McConnell suggested uh, they should do. He, he has since uh, well, walked uh, away from that, uh, as, as far as I recall, uh, and now does, mm-hmm. does seem open to a discussion um, of yet we're looking at another stimulus package. Well, see, I don't know that open to discussion is enough. And to be 
in the powerful position that he is, arguably third most most powerful person in federal government, tied for second, depending on how you want to look at it. The fact is that is something that should have never come out of the person's mouth. You can't. That's not a. It's not a rookie mistake. He's not some person who just showed up to the U.S. Senate as far as the state, the, the state should just declare bankruptcy. Yeah, that remark. As far as the state, as far as the state's declaring bankruptcy, it's not like he just showed up to the U.S. Senate and 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 is figuring his way out and learning where the bathrooms are. He's been there long enough. He knows how these things work, and it wasn't an accident. It wasn't an error. So yeah, thank. You. I am grateful that he walked it back, but that is something that should have never uh, even come up or been said. You know, Mandela, as as a taxpayer, uh, can we, I mean, when is enough going to be it, enough, you know, for uh, stimulus packages? Well, the thing is, uh, what's the alternative? I think that's, that's the other question. Do we just let it all crash and burn? I mean, that's the that's the alternative. Uh, without just just looking at the devastation, like how did how is what is what is a what does any proper response look like in this situation? And then I mean, we can have several conversations about what we could have done on the front end, where you know we can look at the system of inequality and inequities that kind of got us to this place where the larger players are always going to come out on top. You look at the richest people in this country who are making massive profits, billionaires in America have gotten have increased their wealth in the middle of a pandemic when everyday Americans are struggling and losing their jobs in the face of the pandemic. That is the system of inequality that got us in this place that we're in now. And maybe we wouldn't have had to have these uh, trillion-dollar uh, bailout discussions if wealth is more evenly distributed around this country, if Wealth wasn't tied up in the hands of a select few people, relatively speaking. Yeah, I know it's also raising some eyebrows here in the, um, you know, uh, financial headlines about these big companies filing for bankruptcy just days after uh, the CEOs get these big bonuses. I think Hertz, uh, the most recent uh, before that, uh, J.C. Penney. Yep, and that is the same old tire thing we saw. We we we, we see all the time. Uh, you know, we coming out of college in 2008 and that financial crisis. And it was the same story where CEOs were getting huge cash outs and the businesses were going under and people were left without a job and folks left with enough money to pay thousands of workers. And it's just mind boggling to me. You, you perhaps would know a whole lot more than I would in, in political circles and, uh, maybe you would have to have more uh, legal background to know how this can be allowed bef- when you're going through bankruptcy court or just before you do. How how can you, uh, you well, know, give away millions and then go file for bankruptcy and that plan's uh, accepted and protects you from creditors? We're talking one loophole in a, mm. in a out of dozens of loopholes that allow for this type of uh, behavior to continue. You know whether it's tax codes whether it's uh you know uh, with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unequal pay between, uh, you know, lowest paid workers and CEOs. Like this is just, this is one of many things. And if it weren't, and if it weren't that one loophole that allowed for them to uh, see these windfalls before bankruptcy, it will be another one that, that exists. And people are going to find and exploit those as much as they can. And that's why we need people who are willing to stand up. We need leaders who are going to fight for economic, uh, for economic justice. We need people who are going to stand up and say that this is wrong. And we don't have a, We definitely don't have a president that's going to do that because he benefits from it. Now, as far as here in Wisconsin, Mandela, uh, one of the um, biggest uh, issues uh, that we're hearing about day after day is the backlog of uh, unemployment benefit claims. Uh, the, uh, the backlog, I know the Department of Workforce Development has uh, just been uh, swamped, uh, to say the least, uh, since the pandemic hit. Um, in trying to keep up with paying out those benefits, uh, and we're hearing, well, we're increasing staff, but apparently that's not as quick of a process as it, as one might think. Yep, it is not a quick process, and we can uh, look back to choices that were made by the legislature that made a difficult process even more difficult. And the Department of Workforce Development uh, has been starved of resources to handle unemployment claims. And there was the article in the uh, Journal Sentinel the other earlier this week that showed. Uh, Governor Evers has been criticized uh, for the delays in unemployment, but it also talked about how the legislature, how Republicans in the legislature made it more difficult for him to act. And if they were truly serious about providing relief to unemployed Wisconsinites, they would come into a special session to address the issue and come up with a legislative fix so that we can make sure people aren't missing out on the money that they should be getting to help them stay in their homes, to help put food on the table. And, you know, at one point, you know, we're dealing, we were dealing with the same amount of staff uh, given uh, a regular a, a regular time period. So that's about 50 people mm-hmm. who were handling unemployment claims before the pandemic. And now we've had to do some contracting, and we have over 1,300 people now mm-hmm. uh, who are still working. But, again, this is we are dealing with a historic – uh, level of unemployment right now. We're talking about Great Depression numbers, Great Depression levels of unemployment. So, uh, yeah, I, and I understand the pain that people are dealing with. I had been unemployed in my life before, and it was not in the middle of a pandemic, and it was still difficult <laughs> uh, to get to get the support that I needed. And Department of Workforce Development has transferred transferred 243 employees to handle calls, and they're in the process of hiring another 315. And the one-week waiting period, which should be mentioned, uh, was started by Governor, former Governor Walker in 2011. And the Republicans created a number of barriers that made it even more difficult to access unemployment while they were in power. And remember that the governor called the legislature to eliminate this one-week waiting period on March 17th, and it took them a month to do this. So we had the one-week delay that existed. And it's, that has been the same tired old strategy, delay, 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 because it took them a month to meet to address this issue. And they also, where we also, as a state, missed out on $25 million in federal reimbursement for those weeks where people had to wait to get their payment because of inaction by the legislature. So it's very frustrating 
when they criticize the administration but don't do anything to help working people and people who are out of work in the state. So uh, the political butting of heads or stubbornness, I mean, as we've seen it play out uh, during a pandemic, even when you would be hopeful that. Uh... I, I don't even know if it's butting of heads. I think it's unnecessary aggression. Okay. I think it is. I think it is playing politics when people's lives are literally on the line right now. And it yeah, be because different. if I'm out of work and I haven't, I've been out of work uh, for a couple of months, and I hear. Um, uh, what uh, DWD Secretary Caleb Frostman said this week, that they might not catch up with the backlog until maybe mid-August or even early October. What in the hell are they supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. And it would be different if they had a proposal. It would be different if they came to the table with a plan because the table is still set for them if any time they're willing to come uh, discuss how, to, how we get out of it. Uh, they haven't chosen to do so. Let's uh, uh, talk uh, quickly here, Mandela, about, and, uh, you know, your gut's got to tell you it's probably not going to happen in person, uh, the DNC uh, convention in Milwaukee. Uh, of course, it's been pushed now um, to August. And what do you think? Is this is this going to happen in person or what? It is, uh, it is day by day, and as, you know, the administration is using science and medical advice to guide our decisions in governing. Uh, the DNC uh, host committee is using science to uh, to figure out how they're going to move forward. And, uh, you know, it's, I can guarantee you it won't be what we expected it to be. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and which is, you know, it's frustrating. And, that's, and that goes back to, uh, you know, everybody's giving up a whole lot. And for anybody who thinks that, you know, we're playing politics, there's some political hope. I mean, the biggest show in town was coming to Milwaukee, and it is our party's convention that was going to be in our state. If anything, that shows you that this is not playing politics at all. If that was the case, we would have just decided to have the DNC. But science tells us not to do that. Medical advice tells us not to do that. And there will, I'm certain there will be a large virtual component of the uh, Democratic National Convention. So so it would still, I mean, uh, I was just kind of wondering, I'm sure I'm not, not the only person who's wondered this, but okay, if you do a virtual, oh, uh, a, a virtual, does Milwaukee get a make good in four years? But that's not how it works, huh? Uh, we, I, will, I will be lobbying for whatever to get, okay. the, the, to get us the, a, a full DNC. Yeah, because uh, these are unprecedented times uh, when uh, Milwaukee, I remember, uh, uh, the, the glee and joy all over the state. Because, boy, what a what a, a big get for uh, revenue coming into our state to have the DNC in Milwaukee. But um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll take it whichever way we can get it. If it's got to be virtual, that's the way it's got to be. Yep, we got to do what we got to do to keep people safe. Um, now, uh, Mandela, getting off the topic of uh, coronavirus and uh, going next door into Minnesota, of course, uh, the news that's uh, actually topped coronavirus in the headlines around the nation has been uh, the situation we saw play out. What was that? That was just on Monday when uh, George Floyd died while in uh, police custody in Minneapolis. Of course, I'm guessing uh, you've obviously seen the video. Well, I saw a little bit of video. I um, I it is I get tired of actually watching those videos. Mm -hmm. uh, I 
do not need to ever, I would be just fine if I never, ever saw another video like that in my life. It would be even better if the actual action didn't take place to produce those videos. Um, but even just reading about it, hearing about it, it is a, uh, it, it is a, something that is repeated far too often and it's repeated far too often because the accountability isn't there. Um, and, you know, we can talk about bad actors, but uh, people are going to, you know, whether it's police officers or whoever, are going to do what they can as long as they can get away with it. And sure, they were fired, but that is step one. And it's a small step forward. There needs to be actual justice. There needs to be accountability in the form of uh, in the, in the form of reper- legal repercussions. Uh, for for these officers, and you know that is not it is, it is far too common right now. Um, it happens too often, and in most instances, the perpetrators of the murder fit the profile, and the people who lose their lives, often unarmed, nonviolent, fit the same exact profile. That is another epidemic that we're dealing with in this country do you it doesn't sound like it but i'm going to ask do you have maybe some increased confidence though that george floyd is going to be the case that makes us turn the corner i mean a reaction was was swift even uh, mandela even sean hannity came out against the police officers which man you don't see that a lot I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, that's fine if, even if Sean Handy came out, but, like, I don't think that's the one because you can pick one of any of the recent instances in the last five years and think, oh, well, this is the one. This has got to be the one. Same thing with, same thing with Masters. Like, you look at you could be shooting as a school. Oh, well, this has got to be the one that ends it all. And so another black man, unarmed black man, dies at the hands of law enforcement. You think, oh, well, this has definitely got to be the one. There's camera footage that shows that these police officers are out of line and this, the victim wasn't doing anything violent or threatening. This surely has to end the injustice of, of police violence in America, but it doesn't. So I am, I cannot say that I'm confident that this is the one. I, I wish it were the case. I would hope so, you know, but I, I don't have confidence that it is. And, uh, yeah, it happened in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, the whole world uh, has seen it, though, and it impacts us all over this country and here in Wisconsin as far as um, just, yeah, the never-ending uh, cases of uh, seeing this, but also on how we interact with our police department and especially communities of color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, there's, I mean, there's a million, there's implicit bias, there's cultural competency. Uh, then you just have people who are just drunk of power. And that's not to be dismissed. Like people who get into some position of authority and feel that they have free reign and are above the law, all while carrying uh, racial bias. And that's not something you know you, you train for in a police academy. That's not something that's easily or often screened out when people are are going through their training to be a part of, of law enforcement. I mean, you got a lot of folks who are who just 
waiting for an opportunity like that to carry out uh, to carry out violence or harm on, on on people. And again, I it's not every it's not every officer, and fully understand the majority of police officers are not that way. But there is a culture that allows for it to happen without internal repercussions. And if nothing happens internally, if people don't speak up within the force uh, that see this type of behavior, because nine times out of ten, it wasn't like people, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, it's not like these things come as a surprise or there weren't certain patterns that showed that, you know, officers like this dude were uh, not likely or likely to commit some sort of atrocity. And so that's why, why people have to, to speak up who, who are, you know, within the force. And I, and I get it. It can be tough. These are your colleagues, the people that, you know, you think have your back, the people you trust, you know, with your life. But you also have to think about the lives that you are all as a whole are entrusted to protect. And if people are exhibiting the signs that they aren't willing to do that or that they are willing to go counter uh, their mission, counter, uh, you know, the, the oath that they took as police officers, then it has to be brought to it has to be brought to the light. So the next uh, you, you would um, what, what you believe needs to happen next in Minneapolis is that we have to see arrests here. I'm get, my guess is well, that prosecutors are, are just waiting for the medical examiner's report. Yeah, I mean, I I would I hope so. Okay, and uh, I, I, so that's the thing. I, I hope so, but it's like these are things that we can't take for granted. We can't we can't take justice for granted. We can't just expect justice to happen. You know, justice happens through you know through through organizing, through pressure, uh, and it, and it shouldn't be the case. Justice should just happen. That's that's what justice should be. It should it should be when something like this happens then the appropriate steps and measures are taken. Uh, But we have seen throughout history that we just can't expect it. Yeah, and I think the mayor has been good. He's been he's been right out there in forefront and not mincing words on uh, what he calls this incident. Oh, I agree. So, and uh, just for our listeners, just so they know, in case uh, uh, the medical examiner's report comes out or there are there are charges filed, I'm talking to the lieutenant governor here on a Thursday before our program airs on Sunday morning. So just keep that in mind in case because uh, the story can change uh, by this afternoon. You just never know. Uh, lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, again, my guest this morning. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Madison Forum. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.